verse number 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And of the sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring in. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth, the, doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. No man takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. No man takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. I want to talk about the depth of Christ's love. The depth of Christ's love. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. I thank you, Father, that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So, Lord, today, I thank you for sending your word to us. I thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives as you prosper this word and the things that you sent this word to in our lives. Father, speak, Lord. Your servant's here. Let your anointing rest now. The yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own. My own knows me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down of my own initiative. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down of my own initiative. In Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, the Apostle Paul prays that the believers at Ephesus would know the love of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I hit a button. Go back up. That the believers in Jesus Christ would know the height, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. 
He prayed that they would know the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And our desire this morning is that God, in answer to our prayers and through the word of God, through his Holy Spirit, would help us to comprehend the depth of Christ's love for us that passes knowledge, that surpasses knowledge. We talk about the love of Jesus, but do we know the love of Jesus? Does it make any difference to us that the Lord loves us? Not for just what we can get out of it, but for what that love will do in our hearts and in our lives once we know the love of Jesus Christ. There's a song that says, your love for me is deeper than the ocean. It's higher than the blue skies above. It goes beyond my human emotions. And no matter what I do, it brings me back to you. It's from a song, I think, by Freddie Rodriguez. The song is called Fallen. But what does it mean to the ordinary, everyday person, everyday listener, to talk about the love of God being deeper than the ocean, wider than the blue skies above? Most people hear that and it kind of like goes over their heads. For most people, that's not where they are. Maybe some people sitting in here this morning, the love of Christ may not matter too much to you right now. But the day will come in your life when you're going to need more than mama and daddy, more than a job. You're going to need more than strength and good looks. You're going to need a Savior. The love of Christ will make all the difference in the world. When you're in a situation where nobody can help you, you're going to need the love of Christ. Sometimes we don't realize and we don't think that those days will come in our lives. But just keep on living. Those days will come in our lives. I was sharing with Bishop Crosby the other day. He was going to his, one of his... Um, his best friend in, 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 in high school. They grew up together. They've been friends for the longest. Um, he's going to the funeral of his best friend's son. Son was a senior in high school, football player, doing quite well, getting ready to go to college. Went to the prom. Called his mama at 2 o'clock and said, Mama, I'll be home in a few minutes. 5 o'clock. In the morning, she got a call, come to the emergency room. She said, your son doesn't know. She said, no, my son can't be in the emergency room because he should be at home asleep. She was going to the emergency room to identify her child's body. He was a mile away from home and had a wreck and killed himself. Sometimes we don't think about what can happen in our lives 
And that's why I said this morning, you know, after Sister Talbot shared her testimony, you don't have to be sick to die. You don't have to be dealing drugs to get killed. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You don't have to be 75 to die. The day will come in your life when you need to know the love of Christ. And it's better to know it sooner than later. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It's better to know it sooner than later. Because trouble will come in your life and, and when trouble comes, you don't need to be trying to search to find out about the love of Christ. You need to know the love of Christ. When trouble comes, you don't need to be dependent on the prayers of other people. Listen to me good. And it's wonderful to have people praying for you. But when trouble comes, you need to be resting in the fact that you have a relationship with the Lord and, and, and that you can pray and, and the Lord hears your prayers. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We don't know what's going to happen in life and so therefore we need the security, we need the peace of, the, of knowing the love of Jesus Christ that surpasses knowledge. You know, that, 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 that we need to know the length and the breadth and the height and the width and the depth of the Lord's love. We need to have, even though we may not be able to comprehend it fully, but we need to be in the process of knowing and comprehending the, 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 the depth and the height and the length and the breadth of his love. And that's why we come to church. We don't come just so we can hear the choir sing or just so we can look nice and, you know, just so we can pay tithes. We come so that we can get a deeper revelation, a deeper insight into the love of God that was demonstrated to us in Jesus Christ. In a world where there is no real concept of love, we need to comprehend the depth of Christ's love, which is real and genuine. People today will say, I love you. And you need to sometimes ask, what do you want from me? Because sometimes when people say they love you, they want something from you. I was listening to Bishop Jakes this week and, and a couple of, uh, you know, on the broadcast, some t you know, you're listening to repeated broadcast. And he was talking about his wife, and, and he said something to the effect that, you know, if, 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 I should, if my wife should die tomorrow, um, I don't know if I'll marry anybody else. He said, because I don't doubt her love for me. Something to that effect. Because when I didn't have anything, she loved me. He said, when... When, 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 when we didn't have water in the house, she loved me. She said, he said, when, 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 that was, when the electricity was turned off, she loved me. You know, and, and, and that's different from a lot of people today because a lot of people today, they'll love you as long as things are going well. When things are not going well, they, you know, uh-uh, no, 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 I, I, I can't take this, you know. Mm. 
And he did say, I'm, I'm talking to you, you, you husbands and wives, praise the Lord. Those of y'all who plan on getting married, it mean, every day may not be milk and honey. You know, every, marriage is not 50-50. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's 99 and 1. But you make a commitment for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. You know, and, and, and anyway. Yeah. So in a, in a world where, where, where the, the, there is no real concept of love, we need to comprehend the love of Jesus Christ. In a world where, where that, is, that is self-centered, where, where it's all about number one, numero uno, yeah, we, where we scheme and we connive and we plot and we plan to get what we want, we need to see and comprehend the selflessness of Christ's love for us. Yeah, yeah. In a world where, where there is so much hurt and so much pain, so much neglect and so much abuse and so much abandonment, we need to experience the depth of Jesus' love. People will walk away from you, but the Lord will never leave you. The Lord will never forsake you. Amen. We need to know the love of Jesus Christ. We need to know the love of Jesus Christ. Understanding the depth of, of the Lord's love puts us in a different arena in life from those who don't understand it. And it brings with it also a greater peace and a greater responsibility, but it brings a greater peace. Knowing the love of Christ, comprehending the love of Christ brings peace in your life. That's, that's that peace that passes all understanding, that keeps your heart and your mind Amen. Through in Jesus Christ, when you're going through the troubles and the trials of life, knowing the love of Christ, that the Lord will sustain you. And there's somebody in here today who needs to know the Lord will sustain you. The Lord will see you through. The Lord will, 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 will bring you out. Amen. Uh, the things that you're seeing right now, the things that you're going through right now, it's only temporary. Glory to God. If you keep on going, you're going to come through the storm. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. He didn't promise us that life was going to be easy. He didn't promise us that we wouldn't have to shed tears. He did not promise us that we would not be hurt in life. But he said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. And my peace that passes all understanding will keep your heart, your mind through Christ Jesus. Understanding the depth of Christ's love will cause your life, will make your life full, fulfilling, and enjoyable. Amen. Amen. Because when you go through those moments that you feel all alone, when you go through those moments when you feel like you're unloved, if you know the love of Jesus, Am I talking to anybody this morning? When you know the love of Jesus, young people, listen to me good. Because you're going to get in relationships and you're going to think that your whole life is going to be centered around that relationship. And that person is just going to love you and that everything is going to be hunky-dory uh, from this time on. And that that person will never do anything to hurt you. Listen to me good. 
But we're born in sin and we're shaped in iniquity. I say it again. We are born in sin and we are shaped in iniquity. Why y'all getting quiet? Because sometimes, even though we don't intend to hurt one another, we end up hurting one another. Amen. Sometimes this look. Words will come out of this mouth that cut and cut deep and they hurt. There's some people sitting here this morning have been cut. Some husbands and wives been cut and hurt. Didn't it hurt? Didn't it hurt? I feel like you ain't never done nothing, said nothing, you ain't no business saying. And, and I was, I, I, somebody else I was talking to this week, and, 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 and he said, you know, he said, when, you, when you're angry, you should be very careful what you say. And he said, especially in marriages. Especially in marriages. When you're angry with your spouse, be careful what you say. Be careful what you say because those words that come out of your mouth, it, once it's out, you can apologize, but you've already done the damage by what you said. And you can't say that you made me do it. I didn't... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 understanding the depth of Christ's love puts us into a different arena. Paul prayed this, and he prayed that, that prayed for this for the church, that they would understand the love of, of Christ. And, and, and he prayed that we would be able to comprehend with all of the saints, with all of the saints, what the length and the, the breadth and the height and the depth of this love is that surpasses knowledge. Now, now, studying this, we'll begin to see the depth of Christ's love for us. And we'll see in the Bible that it's shown in at least four ways. In at least four ways. First of all, you can see the love of Christ, um, and the length and the depth and the height of his love. That You can see it in the costliness of his love. The costliness of his love. John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world. And I love that song that the choir sang, even though some members didn't know all the words. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Help us today. Somebody say, rehearsal! <laughs> For God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah. God loved us so much 
that he gave his only begotten son. It cost God something. Yeah. God's love cost him something. Yeah. In Ephesians 5 and 2, it says that Christ loved us and gave himself for us. His love cost, uh, cost him something. His love was strong enough that he was willing to give up his life for us. He didn't just give up conveniences. Y'all listening? He didn't just give up conveniences. He gave up his life. Are you understanding me? He didn't just trade houses. He gave up his life. He didn't move from one city to another city. He gave up his life. It wasn't just the conveniences that he gave up. It was his very life. It, his love cost him something. We see the depth of his love in the costliness of his love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and we see it in the way he gave up his life. Think about it. Nobody put a gun to his head and blew his brains out. Are y'all listening? They didn't take a knife and stab him in his heart. Are you listening? Think about the way he died. Read about the Via Dolorosa. It's called the way of grief or the way of suffering. The way, the path he took to the cross and the way they beat him. Beyond recognition. Think about it. The way he died. Nailed him to the cross. Drove nails in his hands and nails in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head and hung him, suspended him between earth and heaven. It wasn't an instant death. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour. Wasn't an instant death. It cost him something. His love cost him something. Ooh. Next time somebody tells you they love you, think about what it is costing them to love you. And on the other side of that, when somebody tells you they love you and it ain't cost them nothing, you got to really think about do they really love you? So a lot of those words, people are whispering to you and saying they love you. It ain't costing them a thing. Talk is real cheap. Real cheap. I guarantee you, the majority of parents in here, if not every parent in here, when a parent says to a child, I love you, it has cost those parents something. Are y'all listening? So, so teenagers, when you find that little boy, and boys, when you find those little girls and you start saying, I love you, you better think about what it's going to cost you. 
Listen. When those little boys start, listen to me. When those little boys start whispering in your ears and telling you that they love you because they want something from you, it's costing you something. It ain't costing them a dime. You give the most precious thing that you have to somebody that has not worked a day in their lives. Ain't paid, a, ain't paid a dime of rent. Ain't put no gas in the car. Ain't sacrificed nothing so you can have. And then you up there acting like, oh, they, so, they love me so much. You won't obey your parents because you're in love with somebody. You won't listen to mom and daddy because you're in love with somebody and all they want is what you got. It ain't cost them nothing. And when they get what they want, they go and get the same thing from somebody else. And here you are crying on the same shoulders of your mom and your daddy that you disobeyed. His love cost him something. Young men, if you're going to get it, fall in love and you're going to get married, then get a job, go to work, get a house, put your wife in a house, an apartment, and make sure you pay the rent you. You! And then, and then wives come along beside your husband and help him out because it's got to cost you something too. His love cost him. His love cost him. That's why the Bible says that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. Men, we got to love our wives as Christ loved the church. It cost him something, so it's going to cost us something. And ladies, you need to find that kind of a husband. You need to, you need to, you don't, don't, don't fall for every Tom, Dick, or Harry that come along. Because that, that might be all you have. Help me, Lord, help me. Say, <laughs> go on, Bishop, go on. <clears throat> his love cost him something. I don't want to preach too long this morning. Secondly, you see the depth of Christ's love and how little we deserve it how little we deserve his love. He loved us and we don't deserve it. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 6, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the godly. He died for the 
ungodly, low-down, wretched, filthy, vile sinners. You and me, we were ungodly. Yeah. Now, now we put on clean clothes, took a bath, put on cologne, took, got a haircut, got a hairdo, looking good. But we're wretches undone. But by the grace of God. He died for the ungodly. Died for the ungodly. And, and you know that, that's a crucial word because in, in, in other scriptures, uh, 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 when we read about the ungodly, it is that, th that's what makes the wrath of God comes upon, come upon the world. The wrath of God comes because of the ungodliness of people. But Christ died for the ungodly. Yeah. Verse 7 of the fifth chapter of Romans, it says, One will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now you might say, well, I wasn't even born when Christ died. Well, that just makes his love that much, much, much more magnificent because he was able to look down through the annals of time, glory to God, and see that in 2012, that was a man that was going to need salvation. That was a low-down and dirty and wretched sinner that was going to need to experience his love. And so all over 2,000 years ago, he took care of the fact that we needed a savior and shed his blood on Calvary. Yeah. While we were yet sinners, born in sin and shaped in iniquity, yet sinners. Every one of us in here is saved. When we heard the gospel, Jesus had already died. That was the good news, glory to God, that God loved us so much that he sent a savior into the world. He didn't wait until we, we, were, we were born to die for us. He didn't wait until we saw the need to become the perpetuation for our sins. Almost 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, He'd already died for the ungodly. Somebody say ungodly. Hit yourself on the shoulder and say, that was me. He died for the ungodly. So his love for us is deeper than human love. It's deeper than human love. Folk will walk away from you when, when, when you start doing mean, dirty things. But the Lord said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. You don't believe people to walk away from you? People leave you. Yep. People leave you. But God said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. We were ungodly. We were sinners. We were enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Yet Christ loved us. Yet Christ gave himself for us. Thirdly, 
We see the depth of Christ's love for us and the lavish benefits that he's given to us. Bible says, it's in 1 John, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, or sons of God. Great love. God loved us so much that he would not merely settle for us being saved from sin. He didn't just settle for us being forgiven. He penetrated the core of our sinful nature and caused us by his spirit to be born again as his own children. You and I are not just saved saints. We are children of the Most High God. Yeah. He has given us of his very own nature, his very own character. He has made we are made into a family likeness to his son. We are fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. We're in the family now. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's how great the Lord's love is. He has lavished benefits upon us. We didn't deserve it. Because we were ungodly, we were sinners, we were mean, we were wretched, we were vile, we were going out of the way, we were fathers, we were strangers. But out of his great love for us, he has brought us near to him and he has brought us into his family. We are his sons, we are his daughters. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 21, Paul says, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, of the world, a life, a death, or things present, or things to come, all things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. We belong to Him now. Amen. We belong to Him now. We're His. We're His sons. Amen. We're His daughters. We are His. He's working on our behalf. What belonged to Jesus belongs to us. Oh, yeah. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? So the depth of his love is seen in the lavish display of his generosity toward us. The Lord has been very generous toward us. Let me, let me rush on and finish this. And, 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 and so, yeah, so we see it in the, in the costliness of his love. We, 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 we see it in that we don't deserve his love. We see the depth of his love and the fact that we don't deserve his love, but he loved us anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. And we see the depth of his love and just how generous he has been in loving us. Yeah, yeah. Where we should have been dead, he makes us his children. Where we should have been cut off, he says, I'm bringing you near to me. I'm making you my own. Yeah. Finally, the fourth way we see the depth of the love of God revealed in Scripture is in how free he has loved us. How free he has loved us. You see, the depth of a person's love for you is not only in the pain it costs, uh, and not only by how uh, much undeservingness in you the person overcomes to love you, or how great the bounty is that the person gives to you, but, it, but you also see it in the depth of how, 
you also see the depth of love and how free the love is. And how free the love is. In other words, um, is the good thing they're doing for you constrained? Uh, are they under some external compulsion? Uh, and, and they don't really want to do it, but because of some kind of pressure, they do it. Or is it done willingly? Uh, is it done without any type of anticipated remuneration or any type of payment? The more engaged and willing and glad and free your love is for others, especially if it's costly, the more amazing it is, the deeper it is. And so it is with Jesus Christ. We see the depth of Jesus' love and the freedom of it. Yeah, in the freedom of it, the willingness of it, the eagerness of it, the gladness of it. Amen? He was not forced into doing anything. Are you listening to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was not forced into doing what he was not willing and eager to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that, 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 that he didn't enjoy the suffering per se. Physical pain did not become physical pleasure on the cross of Calvary. But I want us to see the depth of his love this morning and the freedom of his love, the willingness of his love, the eagerness of his love, and even the joy of his love. He loved us with all of his heart. Uh, we say that to people, but we don't love people with all our heart. Yeah, he loved us with all of his heart, not a fraction of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not with a slight inclination, uh, with some otherworldly force pressing him to do what he didn't want to do. What he did, he did out of love. Are you listening? What he did, he did out of love. And he wanted to do it. Say he wanted to do it. He wanted to die for me. Yeah, he wanted to die for me. Amen. Hallelujah. This is what Easter's all about. The great, magnificent, marvelous love of God in Christ Jesus for his creation and for his creatures. And John chapter 10, our text for today, Jesus said, For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. This means that there is a special delight that the father has for the son because of his willingness to lay down his life for his people and defeat death on their behalf. Now, of course, you know, the father loved the son before he did this, all right? And verse 24, Jesus said, you loved me before the foundation of the world, all right? But the very love, that, that very love was rooted in the greatness and the beauty of the son's perfections. But part of the perfections Part of that perfection was the love that brought Jesus obediently to the cross. And so Jesus could say, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. Think about it now. The Father loves me because I lay down my life. Uh, God didn't make him lay it down. He laid down his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He laid down his life. Yeah. But it says or implies something else, and, and that is that the Father loves the Son for loving us. The Father loves the Son for loving us. He said, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. Well, who was he laying down his life for? For you and me. 
for you and me and all humanity throughout generations. And then what does that say to us about the love of the Father for us? God loves us with an everlasting love. Jesus says in verse 18, no one has taken my life away from me, but I lay it down of my own initiative. I have the authority to, I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I have from the Father. Now we need to let this sink into our minds this morning. It's, it's, it is very plain and very forceful. No one takes my life from me. Wow. Well, Lord, what about Judas? Didn't Judas sell you for 30 pieces of silver? What about the mob, the soldiers that came in the garden to take you? What about Annas, the high priest? What about the false witnesses that came up against you, Lord? What about the crowd that said, crucify him, crucify him? What about Herod, who sent you back to Pilate? What about Pilate, who handed you over? What about the, the high priest? What about them? What about the soldiers that nailed you to the cross? What do you mean by saying no one takes my life from me? Have you ever thought about it? Nobody takes my life from me. Yet all of these people were involved in the process of the crucifixion of Christ. Are you listening? Wake up, y'all. Wake up. I know it's early in the morning. Don't miss this. This is important. This is important. Jesus is saying at every point where it looked like I was under constraint, every moment where it looked like I was being forced to do what I didn't want to do, I was not being forced. Jesus said, I chose it. I embraced it. Hallelujah. Indeed, me and my father were orchestrating this thing. Hallelujah. I told you the other day that, 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 that when Jesus went, uh, and last Sunday I told you that when he marched into Jerusalem and proclaimed himself as king of the Jews, he was forcing their hand so that the crucifixion would take place on the Passover according to the scriptures. So Jesus was saying, me and my father have orchestrated this thing because we love you. Nobody takes my life away from me. I lay it down at my own initiative. I freely give my life and my love. And my love is free. Hallelujah. But why is Jesus making a point of saying all of this? Why is he stressing this? He's stressing it because if it were not true, his death, if, and if his death was forced on him, if it wasn't free, if his heart wasn't really in it, then that would be a big question put over his love for us. We would have to wonder, did he really love us? If he was only doing it out of obligation, did he really love us? But he said, nobody forced me. Nobody took my life. Nobody made me do this thing. The depth of his love is in the freedom of his love. Yeah. 
if he didn't die for us willingly, if he hadn't chosen to suffer and embrace it, then how deep would his love really be? So he stresses this thing. He makes it explicit. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own initiative. It comes out of me, not out of circumstances, not out of pressure, but out of what I really long to do. Oh yes, verse 18 says that this commandment I have from my father, but that's simply to show that the father's heart and Jesus' heart are in perfect harmony. The father loves. The son loves. And what the son loves, the father loves. The commandment, the command was no burdensome constraint. Jesus is stressing to us this morning that, that his love is free. It's almost as if there was some enemy somewhere slandering and saying in the background, Jesus doesn't really love you. Yeah, yeah. He's in it for some other reason. He, he, he's under some kind of constraint or some kind of external compulsion. He doesn't really love, he didn't really want to die for you. He, he just got himself uh, into this job and couldn't get out of it. And it's almost like Jesus is hearing in his mind, in his spirit, these slanderous words from the accuser. And he responds and says, nobody takes my life from me. Nobody makes me do what I'm doing. I, I lay it down of my own accord. Saints, Jesus is pressing this on us to see that if we will believe his protest of love or if we will believe the opposite. I don't know about you, but I, I, but I believe that he really loves me. I believe that he loves me with an everlasting love. I know that he loves me beyond compare. I know that his love was without compulsion. That's why I like the song, No Greater Love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That a man would lay down his life for his friends. Yeah, the song says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The son gave his life for me when he died on Calvary. There is no greater love, no love nowhere, no greater love that a man will lay down his life for his friends. No love nowhere. I've searched all over. There is no greater love. Hallelujah. Uh, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Jesus went to Calvary. Hallelujah. To save a wretch like you and me. That's love. Are you understanding what the Lord is saying today? The song goes on to say they hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head. And for me he died. That's love. I tell you today, hallelujah, the Lord loves us without constraint and without compulsion. Hallelujah. There is no greater love. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the song says, that's not how the story ends. Three days later, he rose again. That's love. Glory to God. Jesus said, I lay down my life and I take it up again. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. That's love. 
I've got the power to lay it down. And I've got the power to take it up again. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Oh, God. It wasn't an easy thing to say. Hallelujah. Did I take my life up again? But that's the power of Almighty God. He loved us so much that he didn't just die for us. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead with all power in his hands. That's love. Hallelujah. That's love. That on the third day, out of his love for us, God would raise him from the dead. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. And he was dead. Yes, he was. He wasn't just sleeping. His natural body was dead. Three days in the grave. Three long days. He was dead. Oh, yes, he was. But by the power of Almighty God, God raised him. Hallelujah. So that you and me could have life. Somebody said, because he lives. Hallelujah. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because he lives. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. I came to tell you today that God loves you. His love is a great love. His love is a deep love. It's deeper than the ocean. It's wider than the blue sky above. No love compares to the love of God. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Your mama's love that compared to the love of God. Your daddy's love that compared to the love of God. Your husband's love doesn't compare to the love of God. Your wife's love doesn't compare to the love of God. Hallelujah. Jesus proved that he loved us when he died. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I like the way the old preacher used to say He died. Hallelujah. He died. Oh my God. He died. Oh, how he died on Calvary from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. He died until the dead got up out of the grave. He died until the moon dripped away in blood. He died, oh God, until the earth began to quake. Oh my God, he died. Oh yes, he died for your sins for my sins to bring us back to God to make a way that we could be saved that we could be justified sanctified redeemed and even glorified oh God yes he died but on the third day on the third day on the third day early Sunday morning they went to the tomb hallelujah and the angel said why do you seek the living among the dead he's not here he is risen just as you say he lives he lives 
He lives. He lives. He lives. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, give him praise. Come on and bless him. Come on and bless him. Come on. Come on. Thank you for your love. God, I thank you for your love. The depth. Ooh. The depth. The depth of his love. Cost him his life. Wasn't a free love. It cost him something cost him something. We didn't deserve it. Sometimes we walk around the day like this is it. We're all that in a bag of chips. But if it were not for the love of the Lord, we don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his love. Think about how I just think about myself sometimes. Think about my life. And I hadn't done everything right. Done some things I had no business doing. But yet God loves me. Think about my attitude with people sometimes. But yet God loves me. Think about mistakes I've made. But yet God loves me. ungodly ungodly but yet he loved me yet he loved me nobody's gonna love you like Jesus loves you don't fool yourself yeah it's supposed to be but it's not gonna not going to be. The best we can do is grace each other. That's why I try not to hold things against people. Sometimes people say, Bishop, I don't see how you do it. What's the use of me walking around acting like everybody perfect? I ain't perfect. So ain't no sense of me acting like you perfect. Because you ain't perfect. You're going to do things you got no business doing. Much as you try. If the Lord would flash this past week on the screen right now, how many of you would not hold your head down in shame? This is past week. And don't say if he would flash our whole lives on the screen. You might have done good this week, but there's something somewhere. 
And all the Lord asks us to do is to grace one another. The church would be a better place if we graced each other. Same love that the Lord showed to us in our undeservedness, we ought to show it to one another. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a standard of righteousness. But grace in me means that if you see me doing something I ain't got no business doing, come to me and talk to me. Don't go talk to somebody else. We didn't talk to 15 people before we ever, if, if we ever said anything to the person. That's not grace. Grace is forgiving. So if I did you wrong, I forgive you. And I let it go. I don't hold it for 15 years. I can't work with you because of something happened five years ago. Come on. Is the Lord still loving you? And what you did against him wasn't five years ago? It just last week. The depth of his love. And then we'll get mad at this church and we'll go join another church. We take our little stink mess to another church where nobody knows us. And we don't have to get involved because nobody knows us over there. The best thing to do is when you mess up, stay with the people who know you. That's the best thing to do. Because at least they can, some of them are gracious. Some of them going to talk about you now. Ain't no sense of you getting mad because people are going to talk. There's some folk in here got loose lips. They can't keep nothing. If they know it, they're going to talk about it. Sometimes people just talk because that's what they do. They, just, they learn how to do it and they talk. And they say, well, I was just talking. I didn't mean nothing by it. And I don't care how I can preach and my tongue hang out and I fall out on the floor. But some people are just going to talk. So the best thing to do is just stay where you are and, 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 and use your gifting to the glory of God where you are. To the glory of God because it's not about you. And it's not about me. We don't have anything to prove to anybody. Y'all listening? I ain't trying to prove nothing to nobody. I'm trying to see Jesus. I want to see him. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, he said, you have been faithful over all things, everything. You've been faithful over a few things because none of us have been faithful over all things. None of us. Amen? So I'm just trying to see Jesus. I ain't trying to prove nothing to nobody. I read something the other day that says, and I said, that's a good saying. I was reading a book and it said something to the fact of uh, this world is not about complaint, it's about competition. And that's the way of the world. You can sit down and complain about stuff and other people will compete and go on. But at the same time, I'm not trying to prove anything to no other pastor, no other church. I just want to see Jesus. Yes, we should do our best. 
I should preach my best. Our choir should sing her best. Our usher should usher their best. You know, our minister should minister their best. You know, it was a struggle for me. It's a struggle for me not to come to church dressed up because I grew up from a culture that said when you come to church on Sunday, you present your best to God. I mean, that's how we grew up. And young people don't understand that. We want to just put on anything and come to the house of the Lord. But, but, but when you didn't have much, maybe y'all got too much. When you didn't have much, when you had a, one pair of jeans to wear to school, or two pair of jeans to wear to school, you know, and you had one pair of shoes that had to last you all year long. When you got something nice, you saved it for worship because you presented your best to God. You just didn't come in the house of God looking any kind of way. Because you were coming to the house of God. You were coming to the, to the, to in the presence of the excellent one. Are you understanding? So, so even if, if your heart wasn't all the way right, your outward appearance would demonstrate that you were honoring the excellency of God. That's, that's, that's how I grew up. So you may not see me in flip-flops and, 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 and short pants preaching now. I don't care what other preacher does it. You ain't going to see me in flip-flops except I'm outside. But in the pulpit, this is about almost because I, that's, that's, that's in my psyche. And I don't have to dress all the way down to prove anything to anybody. The word of God is still the truth. Except the trumpeter makes the right sound. How will the warriors know to prepare for battle? So if this is going to look like the nightclub, then when is somebody going to know? that there is a difference when you come to church. When I began to perceive the love of Christ and how deep his love was for me, then I want to give him my best. The best of my attitude, the best of my service, the best of my dress, all right? The best of my conversation. That's why even in private conversation, you ain't going to hear me cussing. Ain't nobody in here can say that I sat down with you. You can find none of my friends that can say that I sat down with them and had a cussing conversation. I ain't going to say I didn't do it. I've done it. But I got old enough and wise enough to understand that the Lord deserves more out of me. And I deserve more out of myself. I'm better than that. So understanding the depth of the Lord's love. Not because I'm trying to put on a show for you. It's the love of Jesus. That's the one I want to prove to. That I love him. Just, you know, I, I'd never be able to to love him the way he loves me. Sometimes I'm praying, I say, Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your love. Help me to love you like you love me. Understanding the depth of his love. It makes a difference in your life. 
It'll make a difference in your life. It'll make a when you begin to focus your life in on the love of Christ. It will make a difference in your life. Take your eyes off of people. Put your eyes back on the Lord. Put your eyes back on the Lord. Focus in on the depth of his love. What he went through. I guarantee you it'll make a difference in your life. It will make a difference in your life. Let's stand.